I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to... Oh gosh, I have no idea what what episode number this is. I think we're up to episode 36, in which I talk about my current favorite things. And I'm recording this on, I think it's Thursday, January 27th. I'm I'm apparently unclear on a few details tonight, for which I apologize. Um, I actually, as I mentioned in Big Tent, um, I posted a note in Big Tent at the end of last, actually, I guess it was early this week. Uh, I had hoped to get a podcast posted at the end of last week, but I ended up down with a, a cold, and it wasn't a really serious cold. You know, the basic symptoms, coldy symptoms, were um, pretty manageable, but it just dragged me out. I was just constantly tired and kind of in a mood. <laughs> I was just sort of in a funk and didn't think I would be particularly... Um, entertaining to listen to, I guess. I thought I might come across as being a little bit in a funk and dragged out, and that's not something I really needed to uh, um, impose on a whole lot of people. So I kept it to myself um, and just sort of laid low. I was gone for the weekend. It was my husband's birthday, and we always try to go away for his birthday, but not very far. We don't go real far, Uh, but we do get away, and it was a nice weekend. Very, very, very cold. Uh, Normally, we try to walk to places, you know, we'll walk to dinner from wherever we're staying, or we'll walk to a museum. We weren't walking anywhere, or at least I wasn't walking anywhere. Uh, My husband can tend to be a little more intrepid about these things, but um, I I just was having none of it. So, you know, it changed our weekend plans a little bit, but, uh, you know, it's warmer now. I think we broke 30 today upwards, um, so that's always nice. In any case, uh, it did give me a chance to catch up on a few things. So in today's episode, I'm going to um, tell you about a few new things on the horizon in the podcasting world. I'm going to give you a little bit of a Sandy update and then uh, the content of the episode in which I talk about my current favorite things. And uh, I'm going to give you, a, basically, there's a book review, a product review um, that are my favorite things currently. And then there's a couple of things that I have recently purchased that I'm not sure I'm as keen on. So I'm just going to talk about those briefly. And then um, I've got some listener comments to catch up on and some information about some upcoming episodes. So uh, here we go. Podcast ep- update. First of all, I'm not entirely caught up on listening to all my podcast friends. Uh, getting a lot closer. I'm, I'm getting there. I had to laugh. Um, Frances, in one of her recent episodes, and I'm sorry, I don't know which one it was because I'd listened to a whole bunch right in a row there, had mentioned that no one her age likes doing the things she does, and she says she's 46. And I'm 45, and I often run into the same thing that I'm like the only person my age in any given room, that people tend to be either, uh, you know, 15 to 20 years older or 15 to 20 years younger. <laughs> and you know what that is? That's because we're baby busters. We're, we're right at the tail end of the boomers. 
and we are right before all the boomers' kids. So we're kind of in that little uh, generational blip that there's a whole lot fewer of us running around <laughs> in the world. I just, I've always lived with that. It's kind of been interesting. And particularly in my line of work, I tend to spend a lot of time with um, older women and with teenage girls. So uh, there's there's very few of me <laughs> around. So I'm with you there, Francis. It is nice to know that there are other people my age doing stuff. We busters unite. And Pam of the Hip to Be a Square podcast, I am sorry to hear about your grandmother. She apparently had a very rich life. Um, I really enjoyed your stories about staying in the older house and some of the things you have inherited. So thank you for sharing that with us. There are three new podcasts that I am aware of. One has been around a little bit longer. Noni, you've heard us talking about her frequently. She is a regular commenter on several of our podcasts. And Noni has begun her own podcast. It's called Noni's Quilting Dreams, and it is available on iTunes. I did not mention it before now because I really hadn't had a chance to listen to it yet and really wanted to be able to um, get into it. And I've now caught up on at least all of her podcasts, unless she's posted one in the last three or four days, because I have not updated recently. But and I, I made a note to myself in one of her episodes about um, quilt shops carrying only Moda. I guess I may not have noticed that much because I am a huge Moda fan. There is another new podcast by another one of our listeners. Susan has her own podcast now called The History Quilter. Um, she has gotten one episode out so far, and I am awaiting the next one. She is also on iTunes, or you can go to historyquilter.podbean.com. Oh, I apologize. Uh, Noni also has her own Podbean site, and it's either Noni Quilting Dreams at Podbean.com or Noni's Quilting Dreams.podbean.com. I apologize, Noni. I neglected to double check that, and I know there was an issue with one of, you know, it's listed one way in one place and another way in the other place. So, um, if those of you who have not yet had a chance to find Noni's uh, podcast, Noni, if you could just post a comment on the show notes to the, uh, to the episode with your Podbean address, that would be great. Again, Susan's The History Quilter is at historyquilter.podbean.com, or you can find it on iTunes. I really enjoyed your first episode, Susan. Keep them coming. And there is a brand spanking new baby podcast from Katie. And it's called Katie's Quilting Corner. And she's also on iTunes, or you can find her at katiesquiltingcorner.com. And unfortunately, because I was a little bit behind on keeping up with um, Big Tent and everything over the weekend, I did not find out about it in enough time to really be able to listen to her first episode yet. But Katie, I can't wait to do that. I'm hoping to do it um, probably tonight or tomorrow. There's another podcast that's been around for a while, but I had not listened to it before. And um, just listened to my first episode of it uh, last week while I was on the road, and it's called Green Stitch, and I really enjoyed it. Um, the episode that I listened to was on the Bread and Roses campaign, so it had a little bit of history, a little bit of women's empowerment. It's great. The Bread and Roses campaign I had heard of, and actually I've heard the song, I think, that um, she used at the end of the episode, or at least a version of it. Because it sounded enough familiar to me that I realized, oh, I do know this song. The Bread and Roses campaign was um, a, a protest of the textile workers, I believe, 
It was in Massachusetts in the early 1900s, but don't quote me on that. You need to listen to the podcast to know. Um, and it was just, uh, she did a great job with the history of it and, again, presented a song that was written based on this um, Bread and Roses campaign at the end of the podcast. I found it very moving and very enjoyable, so I'm definitely listening to more of those podcasts as well. And that's Green Stitch again. Um, and uh, she is actually active in our Big Tent groups as well, so you can pick up with her there. So I think that's the podcast update. Lots more Quilty goodness listening for all of you to pick up on. I do hope that that means all of you folks who have started your new podcasts do not stop commenting on ours because we would miss you. Uh, we enjoy getting your input here as well. Okay, Sandy update. I've really only been working on one project lately. Oh, I did. Uh, I don't remember when I finished this compared to when I posted my last episode, but I did finally finish my niece's quilt that I was getting the binding on. Uh, I was working on the binding for a while just because, I, I don't know, I just wasn't in the mood or something. I kept setting it aside for days at a time. But I finally got that binding done last week. And so both of that, two nieces, two sisters from one family are both getting the um, stack and slash technique quilts made out of batiks. And um, I actually get to present them to them tomorrow night. That's my side of the family is finally celebrating Christmas. <laughs> hey, we don't mind. We'll have parties any time of the year. Uh, but we're finally being able to celebrate Christmas uh, tomorrow night. And I will present those gifts. Now, we're not officially doing any gift giving, so I'm not even wrapping them up. I'm just going to have them mentally go back in time to Christmas 2008. I believe it was the first time I wrapped up at least the older sister's uh, quilt was actually wrapped up and under the tree that year when it was just a pieced top. I don't think that I had her younger sister's pieced top done at that point. I don't really remember when I did that one. But in any case, I'm going to present them as gifts from Christmas 2008. So that's how I'm getting away that with that whole we're not actually giving Christmas gifts this year. But I'm looking forward to finally getting those done and given to their owners. And um, there were, oh... Let's just say neither of them are perfect by any means. There were lots of errors, and some of them really noticeable, um, but hopefully they won't care. They love me, <laughs> so I'm relying on that. So the, the project I've been working on now exclusively is for a niece on the other side of my family. This is one of my um, husband's brother's children, and she's the youngest of that side of the family. And um, I think I've mentioned this before, she had asked for a, um, she's into peace signs, so she had asked for a wall hanging with peace signs. And I actually think I'm probably going to do a podcast episode on this at some point, because I've really learned some things along the way. I designed this uh, from scratch. I did not find any patterns that were what I had, you know, pictured in my head. So I just uh, did it from scratch. And had all sorts of issues with math and geometry, et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, the minute I get it done, I figure out an easier way to go about doing it. And I'll talk about that more later. And certainly, if I do a podcast episode on it, I will talk about it. Because actually, the way I came up with that would be easier was really, I thought, quite brilliant. <laughs> so I should probably test it out first to make sure it does actually work. But in any case, um, I did learn some things along the way on this project. And actually, this time, I didn't learn them because I messed them up first. I mean, I actually didn't make any major glaring errors on this so far. Knock on wood, it's not done yet. But um, the, the pieces that I thought could really go horribly wrong didn't. <laughs> and I'm still 
a bit astounded by that. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking that actually means I've finally started learning something in my years of quilting, to which I just say, it's about dang time. It, it, this has been a long way coming. It feels good to finally get to a point where I'm actually starting to trust myself to know that I can actually figure this stuff out without having to pick up the phone and call my mommy, because that's what I always used to do, and I can't do that anymore. So, you know, I have to figure this out and rely on my daughter and her math skills now <laughs> instead, and she's going to move out on me next year, so I'm going to have to start doing math myself too. I guess it's time I grow up. Anyway, the step I'm at now, I have everything fused to the background, and now I'm going to be doing a bl blanket stitch. Uh, to it's going to be raw edge applique, but it's going to be applique with a, a blanket stitch. And I did not have any thread that, again, fit the image in my mind of what this blanket stitch was going to end up looking like. So I drove to, um, as soon as I was done with work today, I scooted down to my local quilt shop, uh, the one that's right around the corner from my house, and they don't have a huge thread selection, and it's geared more at embroidery machines. Um, which there's nothing wrong with embroidery machine thread, but it wasn't the weight that I was looking for. I wanted something a little bit heavier. Um, and the only heavier threads they had had a real strong sheen to them, and I did not want a sheen. So I couldn't find anything there. And so I drove to the next closest quilt shop, which actually isn't officially a quilt shop. It's in the next small town over, so it's about 15, 20 minutes drive. And it's more, it's a mixed shop. It has um, sort of folk art and primitives, kind of gifts sort of stuff. But then it does have fabric. And actually, I, I love the shop because I love the fabric. It's the the more country folk colors, um, probably a lot of moda. Sorry, Noni <laughs> in there. Um, a lot of felted wool, which I love because felted wool isn't always easy to come by in the quilt world. And I do like doing felted wool stuff. Um, but it's just, I love the way the shop is set up. I love the way the displays are done. It's just a nice shop to go in, very small. Um, and I could not remember ever having seen thread there before. But the next qu closest quilt shop to that is about a half hour drive for me, especially in rush hour traffic, which was about the time frame I was in now. So I decided I would give this other shop a, sh a shot. And I went in, didn't see any thread. The woman that was working there was new, very personable. I mean, we we're having a great time chatting away. I was the only person in the shop. Um, and so then I felt kind of bad because here I was the only person in the shop and she and I were talking and I was about to walk out without buying anything. And I I get the heebie-jeebies about that. So I found a couple of um, schnibbles patterns uh, from Miss Rosie's quilt company, which I've always loved. And so I decided, well, you know, those are fairly inexpensive. I'll pick them up. I'll use them, no doubt. So I go up to the counter to pay for these two little patterns, and there's one little basket full of thread <laughs> on the side of the counter. I'd walked right by it. And it's interesting because it's YLI thread, and it's new thread, but it's on a wooden spool. Go figure. I've not seen thread sold on a wooden spool in forever. And I know I was complaining about YLI thread just an episode or two ago, um, but like I said in that episode... The problem I was having was with that particular type of YLI thread, and I wasn't willing at that point to say all YLI thread was not good. So I'm willing to give this one a shot. It feels pretty sturdy. It's a, um, I don't remember what the term is. I'd have to pick up the spool to look at it. It's, it's a 40 weight, so it's a little bit thicker. It's got a coating on it, but it's not super shiny. It's not quite the high sheen, so I think it'll be fine. Um, so it feels like something that'll probably work pretty well going through my machine. 
I will keep you posted. <laughs> um, but anyway, I got my thread now. I'm ready to go. And I had originally thought that meant I would start quilting tonight. And then I remembered, oops, I have a podcast episode to post. So I guess I will start um, doing the machine quilting on Saturday instead. Uh, the other thing I've got going on is I just started on last Friday a Quilt University online class on machine quilting. Um, I think I got the homework done, but I'm not really clear. I her her lesson one was mostly reading. You know, she's just kind of setting it up because a lot of people taking it have never done machine quilting before. I'm I've done a lot more than what most people there have done. I am looking more for consistency. Um, I kind of know what I'm supposed to be doing in theory but I'm not doing it, <laughs> I guess is the best way to say it. Something in me is stopping me from doing what I'm supposed to do. So I'm hoping, you know, like in everything, you always pick up different types of tips and tricks from different teachers. So I'm hoping for some of that, but I'm also just hoping for, you know, the practice involved in taking this class. In any case, in, in lesson one, it almost felt like there were two homework assignments, but she didn't really fully say that the second one had to be done this week or whether we're going to work on it further in the future. So I'm not sure about that. I know I got one part of it done. Um, It's just the other part I'm not sure about. So I decided to just wait and not do it now. And then if I find out I was supposed to have had it done, then I'll just, you know, do it next week (laughs) instead. I'm not that far behind. Um, I am supposed to be practicing a half hour day to, she suggests, two 15-minute sessions. And to be honest, I have not been able to pull that off yet. But um, I know that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And I am, you know, planning on practicing as I'm able to. Um, But anyway, it's an interesting class. It's a teacher I've not had before. And I'm sorry, I don't remember her name. It's her first name's Carol. I don't remember what her second name is. But it's always cool to be in Quilt University classes with people from all over the world. I mean, it's neat as people are introducing themselves. And interestingly, there's a couple of people that I suspect one might even be in my own quilt guild. <laughs> she hasn't um, picked up on the fact that I posted where I was from yet. But um, there's a, a few people from my area, but then there's people from, you know, all over the world, quite literally. So it's it's really interesting in that respect. So I'll keep you posted on my progress on that class as well. All right, let's talk about my current favorite things. So The first thing I want to talk about is as I've been doing this peace sign, um, I had already mentioned to you in a previous episode that I had pulled out um, Carol Doak's DVD on paper piecing, you know, to kind of refresh my memory and and get me going. And um, I do, again, I can't recommend that DVD highly enough. And um, Noni, who left a comment, agreed. (laughs) She still pulls hers out as well every time she has to do some paper piecing. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, Noni's got a whole lot more experience than I do. So that's definitely two rave reviews on that one. So if you don't buy any other DVDs, get Carol Dokes on paper piecing. Um, but what I really want to talk about tonight is I had bought, oh, some time ago, I don't even know when I bought it, a package of the Carol Doak foundation paper. And this is paper that she, um, you know, has her name on it to be used for paper piecing. And at the time, you know, I hadn't done a lot of paper piecing yet, but I had done some, I thought, well, you know, I don't know what this is going to be like, but I think I bought it on sale, so I figured it was worth it. Well, this was the first time I actually used it. I um, And I had to use a lot of it because I had to tape it up onto my window and trace this whole peace sign, which is uh, not quite 36 inches wide. The, the background square is 36 inches, and it comes to, uh, it's, I think it's four inches shy all round of that. So it's about a 26-inch, 27-inch circumference ring, and then the, the bars of the peace sign in the middle. 
And so I traced that all out on um, the Carol Doak Foundation paper, and I used it in my paper piecing. I got to tell you, I am sold on this stuff. I probably won't ever use anything else. It was amazing, just amazing. It held up, um, and I will tell you, I put this through a beating. I mean, the um, normally when you paper piece, and for those of you who are not familiar with this, if you're um, very new, paper piecing is where you print a pattern on a piece of paper, and then you sew the fabric to that piece of paper, and then you eventually down the line, you take the paper off and all you're left with is the block. And it's really helpful to do that um, with patterns with a lot of points, with a lot of small pieces or pictorial patterns. You know, you'll see like houses or ducks or bunnies, you know, things like that. Um, It's really helpful if you have something that are kind of odd shapes and you need it to hold its shape until you're ready for it to not hold its shape. So the piece sign that I'm doing, I wanted to piece, P-I-E-C-E, the outer ring of the P-E-A-C-E sign. Um, I wanted to have strips of fabric, roughly two inch wedges all the way around, so I could use a lot of different colors in it. And because it was going to be a ring, which meant, you know, all of that fabric was going to be a little bit on the bias as you're cutting it kind of curvy around the outside, I decided the safest way to do it would be paper piecing. So I use this foundation paper, you draw it out, you kind of figure out where your sewing lines are, and then you you sew it onto the the paper. And typically, again, when you do paper piecing, you're doing it a block at a time. So you might be doing a a six-inch block, maybe a 12-inch block, and then you sew those, you know, blocks in together. So it's like a kind of a standard piece of paper or smaller. Um, I had 27 inches wide... (laughs) circumference or almost, you know, 30 inches wide of the stuff all taped together. And I had in order to do the whole ring at once because I couldn't, well, again, because I don't like to do math and figure all this stuff out. I didn't plan it ahead um, to do it in segments and then figure out how the segments were going to fit together. I just did it all as one big ring, which meant I had this whole big thing all taped together. And then I cut it um, into the shape. So I wasn't quite manipulating that much paper around. Um, So I had this big ring. Um, and I had to be careful to tape outside of the sewing line so I wouldn't be sewing through the tape. And again, I'm getting into stuff that I might do a podcast episode about, so let me not go into any further detail. Um, but just that I was manipulating this big hunk of paper <laughs> around, and it had all sorts of opportunities to tear or fall apart, and it didn't. I did. I put a little tear in it once when I accidentally got the ring hooked on um, a drawer knob of the drawers that sit, you know, are part of my sewing cabinet as I pulled it up and over. So I had to just kind of watch that. But even at that, it ripped a little bit, but that didn't affect, you know, the whole thing being able to stay together. But then when I went to tear out the paper, it just fell away. I didn't have to pick anything out with tweezers. I didn't have any fears about the seams pulling. Those are all things that can tend to happen with paper piecing. If you're using, um, a different kind of paper. A lot of people will use just plain copy paper, which is fine. Um, some people use tissue paper, which I don't think quite holds up well enough. Um, I heard recently one person using uh, scrapbooking paper, which to me seems like it would be awfully thick and heavy. Uh, but, you know, different people find different stuff works for them. I think this Carol Doak Foundation paper felt more like um, almost a newsprint, but not even quite that. Uh, I work with a lot of newsprint, you know, (laughs) I I do a lot of newsprint charts on walls and stuff like that. And so this was definitely, it was more of a coarse feel. I think it was a slightly looser 
weave, I guess I would call it, as a paper. So it was sturdy enough to hold up to. It took the ink. Um, I did not run it through my printer. I mean, you can do that. It's uh, it's cut into eight and a half by 11 sheets, so it would be easy to do that. I was um, tracing out with a Sharpie, had no problem. I used pencil once and I used Sharpie in other places. It all worked fine, went right onto it. Um, didn't bleed through, didn't have any fears about that. But then, you know, again, the most important thing was when I went to tear it off after I'd used it, it just fell away. I had no problems with it whatsoever. I was so excited. You you make your seam or uh, your stitch length a little bit closer than you normally would. I think Carol Doak suggests a 1.5 stitch length on most machines, and that's what I used on mine, and it worked really well because that perforates the paper more. And of course, in the process of paper piecing, you're actually folding the paper back a little bit in, in junctures before you sew it, so it um, sort of helps to score it a little bit. But even so, I mean, it, again, I just can't stop raving about this paper. It really was so easy to use in paper piecing. It was so easy. So I would really suggest that if you um, have some paper piecing projects in your future and you want to make life easy on yourself, I would really recommend you go for the Carol Doak Foundation paper. And by the way, no, she is not paying me to say this. I am not getting any sponsorship. Um, This is just me using it and loving it and wanting to, as I say, share the wealth, let you know uh, what's going on. Um, Yeah, you can use other paper more cheaply. This wasn't too bad. Um, Like I said, I think I got it on sale, but it was marked when I was just looking at the package. I think it was $8.50 for a package of, uh, it's a thick package, 100 sheets, maybe more. Unfortunately, I threw out the little, you know, marketing cover on the paper, so I I don't have that information, but it's a thick package. Um, It would last, it would probably be at least enough for a whole queen size quilt, if not more. So, um, again, get yourself some Carol Doak Foundation paper. It makes life easy. Okay, my other current favorite thing. I have had this book in my Amazon wish list, or kind of in my cart waiting until I actually got around to ordering it for a long time. And then my daughter came to me about a week ago, and she had to order something from Amazon. I don't remember what it was, but it was some little piddly, you know, like a $3 thing. And I was like, I'm not going to pay shipping just for one thing. Um, So let's look at what else we might be able to do. And I ordered a couple of other things. And then I realized, oh, this book has been in my cart for a while. Maybe I'll just treat myself to it. And I did. Um, And oh, man, am I glad I did. This book is called Quilts Around the World, The Story of Quilting from Alabama to Zimbabwe. And it's by Spike Gillespie. This book, it's a really big hardcover. Um, I think I paid $25 for it, something like that, in Amazon. Um, It's list priced as $44, so it's more expensive. But it is a beautiful hardcover, um, nice glossy print pages. I mean, this book is definitely worth that $25. And what it is, is it's truly a history of quilt making. It goes country by country. And there's a variety of essays on what quilt making is in that country. Some of the history or what the status is now, what types of styles, what types of, um, you know, how certain things came about. It's just a really fascinating mix of world history with cultural history with art history with quilt making. Now, I will say it is basically, it is 
clearly written for a U.S.-based audience um, because although it has a lot of countries, and I'm checking how many pages it is in total, it's about 300 pages in total, and the first 90 pages, I think it was, well, some of that's a forward and introduction. The rest is all U.S., but it does, here's what it does really well. It, in the U.S. section, it's not just sort of the typical colonial-style quilting and Amish-style quilting. There's also a whole section on African-American quilt history and um, Latino quilt history and just really explores the diversity of the quilt-making world in the U.S. And then it goes continent by continent. So it's, you know, the U.S. and Canada and Mexico and um, the Central Americas and, and it moves into Asia and then it moves into Africa and Europe and, and it's just... It's very comprehensive, um, as far as I can tell anyway, not being a quilt historian myself, but it's just fascinating. I mean, I'm sitting and reading this every night while I'm downstairs, you know, supposedly watching TV with my family. I've got this open on my lap, and I'm just going through it page by page by page, and I'm I'm only partway through Europe at this point, um, but I am just loving this book. Uh, so, and it's dense text. I mean, this is not a fast read, and it's got plenty of photos. You know, you, you get lots of eye candy. It does have, I think it says 20 quilt patterns in the back. It's um, blocks and patterns that are kind of based on the different countries. But that's not why I got it. I mean, I don't even care about the blocks. I will probably never make the blocks. Uh, but it's definitely really, really wonderfully written. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. So if you're interested in um, quilt history, if you're interested in cultural history, if you're interested in just travel and what it's like to live in other parts of the world, you know, this this book has a little bit of all of that. So I would really suggest um, that you check it out. Again, it's called Quilts Around the World, The Story of Quilting from Alabama to Zimbabwe. Now, the couple of things that I've recently purchased that I'm not as sure about, I haven't actually gotten a chance to use, but just my first impressions were not great. Um, I bought the um, Bendy Ruler. Shoot, I forgot to write down what this thing is actually called. Flexa Ruler, something like that. Um, it's the one that you can actually bend into curvy shapes. And I got it when I was still trying to figure out this whole peace sign ring thing. And at one point I thought, well, if only I had a curvy ruler, I could actually just draw a ring free hand, you know, kind of thing. So I ordered it and it just, it didn't come in time, which is fine because I wouldn't have been able to use it for that anyway. What I'm kind of surprised and a little disappointed about is that the way it bends, it doesn't actually bend smoothly. It's hard for me to get it into a smooth curve. Now it could be that that's something that would, um, it'll work in, you know, the more I use it, the more that'll kind of ease up. Um, but I'm just, I'm looking at it and I tried kind of bending it into some shapes on my cutting board just to see, you know, what would I actually use this for? Could I trace vines around it? And sure, it might help kind of as a guide, but I'd still have to go in and do a lot just freehand myself. So I'm I'm not keen on that. And if if anybody has owned one of these and has any words of wisdom about it, that would be great. Like I said, I, I haven't actually used it for anything yet. This is just me taking it out of the package and messing around with it a little bit and seeing what I might do with it. And at the moment, I'm not overly impressed. Now, you know, who knows, I might want to eat my words in a few months, but that's my short review of that new thing. Like I said, I think it's called the Flexa Ruler. I've already thrown out the package. I should have written down the actual name before I did that. 
Um, the other thing is not something I've used, but I had mentioned in a previous um, podcast when I was talking about my thread breaking all the time, uh, one of the women in my guild had mentioned Sewer's Aid, which is a silicone liquid that you put on thread to help it move more smoothly through a needle. And I haven't used it yet, but I did um, in my machine quilting quilt university class in that first lesson. That's one of the things that the uh, teacher said was that some people use this to help the thread move more smoothly. And she actually cautioned against it. She said a lot of quilt, uh, sorry, sewing machine repair people and sewing machine manufacturers will warn you not to use it because if you put it on your spool of thread and then that thread is running through the tension discs in your sewing machine, um, the silicone liquid may actually gum up those discs and make them hard to keep clean uh, in the future. And so what she suggested you do is that if you do decide to use this, that you actually take a piece of uh, moleskin and attach it, like soak that in the sewer's aid. (laughs) And I guess you would have to attach it to the front of your sewing machine first and then somehow, you know, squirt the sewer's aid on it so that it's sitting right where the thread comes out of all of those tension discs and runs across the front of your machine to go down into the needle. Hopefully you can picture what I'm describing here. So she suggested taking a piece of moleskin, attaching it right in that spot, and then soaking it with the sewer's aid so that the silicone liquid is coating the thread right before it goes into your needle, and it won't be going through all sorts of other mechanisms on your sewing machine. So that's just a tip that she shared that I thought I would share with you since I had just recently mentioned this product. Again, I've not used it myself yet. I don't necessarily see myself using it because I am a little hinky about anything getting on my machine. I don't like, you know, people will draw things on the draw lines on their machines or they will attach, they'll put tape down on their machines. I won't even put tape on my machine because I don't want anything gummy getting in this thing. I just, I want it as, you know, pure and smooth as a baby's butt, I guess. <laughs> what I, I'm, I guess I'm a little protective of this sewing machine because it is the one I inherited from my mother and it's much nicer than anything I would have ever owned myself at this point. And I'm probably not going to be replacing it anytime so, soon. So I'm trying to keep this thing as you know clean as possible. In any case, so that's a, a tip I thought I would pass on. So those are my current favorite things and a couple of other less fave things. I was just checking where I am on time and I'm not doing too bad. Um, Let me just spend a little time on listener comments, and thank you so, so much to everybody. Got a lot of comments uh, in the last, I don't know, 10 days or however long it's been since I posted last, so thank you so much. Um, Appreciate that. A lot of resolutions, but I'll be talking more about that later. So thank you to Sandy, and and that's another Sandy with a Y, yay! Um, And no, it's not a Cocker Spaniel. Um, I took some pictures of my quilt and posted it to, I don't remember now, the Flickr group or my blog, and she commented and asked whether it was a Cocker Spaniel in the picture, and no, think a little bit bigger, it's my Golden Retriever. Uh, Generally speaking, he has to walk into any photo that I'm trying to take of a quilt, so I finally decided to stop fighting it, and, and he is now in most of my pictures of quilts. Thank you also to other Sandy with a Y and Kathy and Kate. And Kate, I do hope you're feeling better too. Uh, Kate and I were commiserating over our colds. Also, thank you to Wishful Thinking and Rebecca and Mary Sarah. And Mary Sarah, yes, I will definitely do another episode reviewing videos as soon as I've had more time to watch some. 
thank you to Sherry D and Jen. And Jen, I'm glad the Fluff and Stuff DVD helped. So um, send us pictures when you've made your quilt based on what you learned out of the DVD. Uh, Crowfan, who very nicely agreed with my idea about how I might quilt my peace sign, especially because it was the simpler of the two concepts I was debating. So thank you for confirming me in going simple. Um, as always, thank you to Noni and to my sister Diane, who I'm actually going to see tomorrow night. Yay! Uh, Susan, Lynn, Jill, Glenna. And Glenna asked if there would be a way for us to all check in on all of these resolutions next year to see how we've done. And you know what? I've thought about that myself, Glenna. I just haven't quite figured out how to do that yet. So I am very much open to suggestions. If anybody can figure out the logistics of how we can hang on to these resolutions for a year without my webpage ending up, you know, about 20 pages long, I guess. Um, I would love to do that and have them available so people can go back next year and say, okay, well, I did three out of the five. Yay for me. Okay, thank you also to Janet and other Janet. And, oh, by the way, other Janet, Jen took the Fluff and Stuff DVD out of the library and really liked it as well. So that's a second recommendation on it for you. Um, Other Janet mentioned that she was intrigued by the Fluff and Stuff DVD. Beth, who has as one of her resolutions to face her fears of curved piecing. You go, Beth, you can conquer curves. Anybody that has any good tips or suggestions to offer to Beth in her curved piecing adventures, um, please post them to the show notes. And Adele, who is working on three memory quilts for her great nephews, on behalf of her mother who can no longer sew. And that's just wonderful, Adele. I loved reading that, so thank you. Lisa, one of her resolutions was to teach someone how to sew in 2011. Yippee, we like people teaching how to sew. And Marla, who, as she says, is joining in the chorus of Finishing UFOs this year. And I got a comment from Donna about two minutes before I started recording this episode, who said, Um, in relations to me commenting on my paper piecing adventures that I had to do it the hard way. And then finally, of course, the minute I was done, figured out the easier way to do it. And Donna said, so you did it the hard way and then figured out a more efficient way to do it. That's the way I learn everything. So thank you, Donna. I am glad to know I'm not the only one. And Angela mentioned one of her resolutions was to stop being so hard on herself when it comes to her quilting projects. And that really struck me because Angela... You know, I hear you. I was just saying that exact same thing to my husband last night, that Angela is too hard on herself. <laughs> Actually, no, I was saying, you know, I'm I'm too hard on myself because I was looking at um, a quilt magazine I'd just gotten. It's this very pretty quilt. I really was liking it and, you know, digging the pattern and thinking, yeah, I could do that. And then I noticed the way they had quilted the border. And it was a very simple border pattern. But it was a little bit uneven. So it was it finished shorter on one side than it did on the other. And I looked at that and I realized, first of all, I hadn't noticed it to start with. The only reason I'd kind of picked up on it is because I was looking at the border particularly for ideas for when I get to doing the border on the quilt, on the piece quilt. And then I realized, oh, you know, the wait, that's uneven. And I thought, man, you know, if I had done that on a quilt of mine, I would beat myself up over it. Because I would figure I'd just been too lazy to really figure it out, or I just hadn't taken the time to really kind of do the measurements, or boy, my math must have been wrong. And I just, it would have bugged me and I would have berated myself. And and there it is in a national quilt magazine as a really pretty quilt. And like I said, I wouldn't have noticed it on my own. 
other than the fact that I was really studying that border. So I had already kind of decided myself, I need to stop being so hard on myself. You know that my stuff, yeah, there is some stuff that has really obvious glaring errors and people have to love me to still like the project and I rely on that. Um, But most of the time, the errors I make are things only I know are there. Or perhaps another experienced quilt maker uh, would be able to notice, you know, that something isn't sitting quite right or wasn't quilted quite right or whatever. Although another experienced quilt maker, generally speaking, would be too nice to mention it. But your average person looking at it would never know. So Angela, I am with you. And I would say to all the rest of us, we need to stop being so hard on ourselves about these things. You know, it is what it is. And like Angela said, we have learned from it and we can move on. So thank you, Angela, for that. And Sherry D, I love your idea and I'm stealing it. So (laughs) we are going to do an episode next week based on Sherry's comment. Sherry suggested that we should do a do-over episode. In other words, to post, if you let me know, something quilty related that you would like to do over again and how you would do it differently. And if you can post those comments between now and next week, I will use them in next week's episode. So as an example, here's what Sherry said. I have two do-overs. If I were looking at long, medium, or short-arm quilting set up again, I would have done what so many suggest and actually try them out first. I want to sell my short arm setup for a variety of reasons. I do not want to replace it with another frame setup. It's just not for me. I would get a machine that can be used on a large cabinet that has a really hard, large harp space. And the harp space is the space between the big fat body of your machine and the little tiny needle of your machine. It's that space in the middle. Uh, I'm sorry, that was my editorial. Sherry continues to say they're just coming out with new ones that work well that way. And Sherry continues, my second do-over is that I would not buy fabric for stashing like I've done in the past. I would buy more often for the project of the moment. I try very hard to shop my stash first and end up having to buy more fabric to make the projects work. Exceptions would be for fabrics on really good sales, like 50% off or more, that would make good quilt backs. I would also buy what I use a lot of, again, when I could find it on sale. White on white prints for pieced quilting and other neutrals would work. I would most definitely not buy as many prints. So thank you, Sherry T, for the suggestion. It is a great suggestion. I'm really looking forward to what people have to say. So again, post a comment on this week's episode show notes at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com with your own do-over story. I will be recording next week's episode probably on Friday afternoon, February 4th. So post your stories anytime before then. Uh, This is really going to be fun. I'm going to have to think about what my own do-over would be. So that is very inspirational. Sherry, thank you so much. Uh, Remember that the resolution challenge ends on January 31st, which is Monday. So you have a few more days. And we've got over 30, I think, who have posted resolutions. I am so excited about that. You know what that means. We are a very resolved folk. Also remember the Stash Mystery Challenge. Several of you have let me know that you're working on things, and I actually know what I want to do now. I just haven't been able to start it yet. I'm hoping to get working on that next week if I can. Um, I think I'll have the peace sign at a place where it's no longer on my cutting table, so I can have that under my sewing machine and have my Stash Mystery Challenge project on my cutting table. Um, The other reminder is, if you recall back in my episode before Christmas, 
I had put a shout out or call out, I guess, for anybody with um, experience in applique, any form of applique, machine applique or hand applique, who would be willing to be a panel for me to do an episode, uh, you know, talking with the experts or experienced people in applique. And I would get questions from the rest of the listeners that we would use um, to answer. I have had one person who has told me that she would be interested in doing that. I would very much like to have a couple of others, so don't be shy. If you are experienced in hand applique of any method or machine applique and would be willing to share your wisdom, I would love to know. Um, So please email me uh, and let me know if that would be something you would be interested in doing. I think that's it (laughs) for the moment. So uh, again, the resolution, I'm sorry, yes, the Quilty Resolutions Challenge ends the 31st. So get your name in if you haven't already. And the Stash Mystery Challenge is in March, and you will find information on both of those challenges um, on the show notes for this episode. And you can always post your comments, and those are all at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. You will also find links there to the Facebook page, to the newsletter, to um, my Twitter account, my Quilty blog, which is separate from the show notes for this episode. And of course, you can always email me at Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z, because someone else already took the S, at gmail.com. And so, until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 